Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary, and on Monday's episode, I told y'all I had some more things I wanted to talk about that I couldn't fit into that episode, so here we are. Here's the second episode. I'm going to be talking about uh, some college football games and some NFL games that I wasn't able to touch touch up on on Monday. I'm going to be talking about Miami and Clemson, and then I'm going to be talking about the Chiefs and the Raiders game. That was a big upset. Gonna talk about the Colts and the Browns game. Uh, that was a pretty good matchup. We didn't have a lot of great matchups this weekend in the NFL, uh, but that was a, a, a that was a really good game. I'm gonna talk about Chase Claypool's performance against the Eagles. He went off. Definitely want to talk about that. Uh, then I'm gonna talk about Daryl Morey stepping down as the Rockets GM. That news broke today. That's huge news um, in the NBA. Then I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be previewing the Georgia-Alabama game, which will be happening this weekend. And then I'm going to give you my picks of the week for week, week six, I believe, in the NFL. Yeah, this is week six, right? It should be. Do I need to look at the schedule real quick? Um, I think it's week six. Yeah, for week six of the NFL season. Uh, and that's how we're going to finish it off. But yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Miami-Clemson. Uh, I do want to say I'm trying to... I should be back on video soon. Um, I've been doing this with no video uh, for the past couple of episodes because YouTube is frustrating the heck out of me. I uh, don't know why my... And it's really not YouTube's fault. It's DaVinci Resolve, which is a video editor that I use uh, for everything that I do. And for some reason, it's like when I export the videos... Um, it's, it's rendering unplayable files, and so when I try to upload those videos on YouTube, it, it's just unable to proce- process those, so I'm trying to get that fixed, but for now, it's going to be audio only, um, even on YouTube, but I'm trying to get that fixed. Alright, without further ado, let's talk about Miami Clemson, and heading into this matchup, I did not expect this to be a very good game. I didn't. Um, I've seen Clemson play. They're really good. Trevor Lawrence is the best player in the country, in my opinion. He's a stud. Um, and they're a really good team. And I thought Miami was a little bit overrated. Um, they're a good team. Definitely. They're definitely a good team. But I did not expect them to give Clemson any trouble whatsoever. Um, I don't think the score indicates how close this game was. Because there was one point in the third quarter where it felt like Miami was gonna was starting to climb back and get back into the game uh, but Clemson won 42 to 17 uh, it was a, a really good performance by them especially on defense their defense played out of their mind they were great um, but they won 42 to 17 won by 25 and they played really well early on um, the defense was just unreal for Clemson. They were putting a lot of pressure on Derek King. I mean, he was just getting no time in the pocket. Balen Spector, uh, number 10, I believe is a linebacker for Clemson. He was dominating. He was in the backfield every play it felt like. I mean, he was just unreal in the first quarter. He was awesome. Um, but one thing I noticed about Clemson's offense is that they were attacking Miami deep down the field a lot. Trevor Trevor Lawrence had some beautiful deep balls deep down the field. 
Um, one was under thrown, but he had a few that were just on the money. The ball placement was perfect. And that was something that Trevor struggled mightily with last season. That was his biggest flaw. His ball placement and his decision making last year were just not there and not where they needed to be. But that's something that um, you can tell he's worked on. It's a lot better. Um, and, and he just, at this point, it feels like he's a flawless prospect, and he looked good in this game. Um, they didn't really unleash him at all, uh, but he did have a few deep balls where I was I was I was impressed. I thought I thought he looked good on a few throws, um, but he looked good. Uh, you know, my Clemson was up twenty-one to three in this game in the first half, and right before halftime. They had a blocked. Uh, they had a field goal blocked, and Miami returned it all the way to the end zone for a touchdown to make it twenty-one to ten. The spe- there was a lot of special teams issues for Clemson in this game. That is something that really killed them. Uh, I think they could have just annihilated Miami. Not that they didn't do that anyway, uh, but I think the margin of victory for them could have been even higher. But they had a lot of special teams woes, a lot of block, a lot of. They had a lot of kicks getting blocked. For some reason, it was weird, um, but I think that's a, a big reason why the score was as close uh, as it was at one point in the second half. Um, and then in the second half, the game felt like it was going to be really, really close. It really did, because um, Trevor Lawrence, he fumbled. Um, he fumbled the ball, Miami got possession, and then, but then Miami just... Wasn't able to do anything really. Uh, they had one. They had seven points scored on offense. Only seven points. Only seven of their seventeen points were scored by their offense. Um, so you can really tell by that stat how dominant Clemson's defense was. They were great all night. Um, one guy I want to talk about: Travis Etienne. Played out of his mind. 17 carries for 149 yards and two touchdowns. That's just awesome. He's one of the best backs in the country, if not the best. Um, and he, he looked awesome against Miami. They ran the ball a lot. Um, they used him a lot and got the ball in his hands. And, and his explosive, what, his explosiveness was just on display in this game. He was awesome. And Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, he had a pretty good game, game himself. Uh, completed 29 of 41 passes for 292 yards and three touchdowns. Had a QBR of 81.6. Now, De'Aaron King, on the other hand, he struggled. He was not very good. Completed 12 of 28 passes for 121 yards, zero touchdowns, and two picks. He did have 14 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. But when you see how much he struggled as a passer, I just don't really care what he did as a runner. What you do as a passer is a lot more valuable than what you do as a runner. Um, at the quarterback position, he did not have a good game. Um, and it's mainly because Clemson's defense played out of its mind. They were awesome. But yeah, those are my thoughts on the Clemson game. Wasn't much of a game. Clemson dominated. Um, at one point, it felt like Miami was going to come back, but... And they just got shut down. And their offense could not get things going. And they were not able to make this much of a ball game in the second half. Let's move on to uh, the Chiefs-Raiders game. This was a huge upset. The Raiders won 42-32. They put up a heck of a lot of points. And going into the season, a lot of teams had to ask themselves, what can we do to beat the Chiefs? 
and a lot of teams' moves, you know, look like a lot of teams made moves in the draft and in free agency that helped them or that would strengthen them when they went up against the Chiefs, and the Raiders did that. They got Henry Ruggs, they added some explosiveness to their offense, and that helped, and it really helped in this game. Um, They were able to put up a lot of points, and, you know, their defense isn't very good, and they knew that they were, if they were going to beat the Chiefs, they were going to have, they were going to have to score 40-plus points. That's what they did. Uh, and Ruggs played a huge part in this. He only had two catches, but he had over 100 yards, um, and he had a huge impact in the first half. Early on in this game, the Chiefs' O-line was struggling mightily. Um, They had an early touchdown that was erased because of a holding penalty, and they were allowing the Raiders to get a lot of to put a lot of pressure on Mahomes um, for the entire game. That was a huge re- a huge reason why the Chiefs struggled in the second half. They didn't really struggle in the first half, but in the second half, their offense was not very good, and that was the reason why uh, Mahomes got sacked three times in the in this game. That can't happen. That was the most he's been sacked all year long. Um, and, and they've got to clean that up. But yeah, Ruggs had a crazy contr- contested catch in the first quarter, which led to a field goal. And then after the Chiefs drove down the field, and Mahomes scored a rushing touchdown to go up 7-3, Derek Carr threw a pick. So now, all the momentum was on the Chiefs' side, and then the Chiefs responded with a Tyreek Hill reverse near the goal line for a touchdown. Um, and then after that, you know, the Raiders were down fourteen to three, and you know they didn't they didn't just fall apart. You know they kept fighting, and they responded with a score on a deep ball to Aguilar. <clears throat> and then the Chiefs kept on rolling on offense. Um, they just kept kept moving the ball really well, um, and their defense was just struggling um, mightily in this game. You know Ruggs had that long touchdown in the first half. And, you know, it didn't stop in the second half. The big issue with the Chiefs' defense is that they couldn't stop the Raiders from attacking them deep down the field. Um, they had a lot of plays where the Raiders had wide open wide open throws deep down the field. That's something they got to clean up moving forward. Um, that was the main reason why they lost in this game. You know, the Chiefs were in the game in the second half. They were in it. Um, they had a chance to win, but their defense just kept giving the Raiders... Uh, good opportunities. They were they had players wide open, um, deep, and, and the Raiders were making them pay. And so that's a huge reason why the Raiders won. And they they scored forty points. Like you can't give up that many points and expect to win. And you look at what the Chiefs weren't able to do in the second half, and that was move the ball. That was a huge reason why they weren't able to get into this game. You know, and they scored twenty four points in the first half, I believe. They, I know they scored over 20 points, but in, in the second half, they weren't able to move the ball. They struggled to move the ball, and they, they kept stalling out. Uh, they would have a, a bunch of bad drives consecutively, um, and, and that just killed them. That re- really, really hurt them in this game, and the, and the Raiders had a great game plan. They ran the ball with Jacobs a lot, um, and they attacked the Chiefs. Um, on their in their weakest in the weakest part of their defense, which is deep down the field, um, and they used 
They used their explosiveness to their advantage, and they used their balanced offense, and, and they just ran the ball and then attacked the Chiefs deep, deep down the field. I love what the Raiders did. I love their game plan, um, and they came out. I, they came out there, got a victory against uh, probably probably the best team in the league. Um, so I was really impressed by the Raiders' performance in this game. They were incredible. I'm right, moving on to the Colts and the Browns. What a what a, a weird game because in the first half it was all Browns. The Browns were incredible on in offense, surprisingly, because the Colts have one of the better defenses in the entire league. Um, and the Browns were just killing them offensively. And the first half was probably the best half of Baker Mayfield's NFL career. I mean, he looked amazing. He looked awesome. I mean, he was making plays outside the pocket. Um, he was accurate, making tough throws, making really good throws in tight windows. It was just a really impressive first half from Baker Mayfield. And, and, and the Colts offense just... Couldn't really do much or do as much as you'd expect considering they were going up against one of the worst defenses in the entire league. Um, the Browns just have a, a god-awful defense. It's really bad. Um, but the Colts weren't able to score that much. Um, and, I, and, and, the, and the Browns were up in the first half, and I was kind of impressed by the way they were playing offensively. Um, Baker looked great. Um, but then in the second half... Um, the game just, it was, it, it took like a 180 turn, and both quarterbacks were terrible. Uh, Baker was awesome in the first half, not so much in the second half. He had a lot of boneheaded turnovers, a lot of bad interceptions, and he did get hurt, um, but that doesn't excuse the fact that he had some really boneheaded decisions. Um, and it almost allowed the Colts to get back into, into the game. Uh, the Colts had an opportunity to win the game, but Phillip Rivers did what he does best. He turned the ball over um, and killed the Colts. And the Colts had a chance. I mean, they were only down nine. Uh, and I know that's a two-possession game. Uh, but in the second half, you're going up against one of the worst defenses in the entire league. You have a chance to get back into the game. But, of course, Rivers just killed them with his turnovers he just absolutely killed them um and really with the way that he was you know with the decisions he was making the Colts had no chance to win this game um but shout out to the Browns I mean wh what an impressive performance by them offensively I know the second half they struggled but in the first half they played so so well um, and it looked so good offensively. And I got I to gotta give a shout-out to Ke Kevin Stefanski, who's come in as the head coach and has turned this Browns offense around. They look so much better than they did last year uh, with uh, Freddie Kitchens as their head coach. Their offense is balanced. Baker Mayfield looks better. He's playing really, really well this year. Um, excuse me. Uh Although their defense is terrible, they're still winning games. They're still playing super well offensively with a balanced attack. They're running the ball a lot. Um, or at least they were with Nick Chubb when he was healthy. Um, now that he's on IR, they're running a little bit less, but they still got a very reliable back 
and Kareem Hunt. And they've just been using a balance attack. They've been running a lot of single back, running a lot of shotgun. Um, and Baker Mayfield has been a huge benef- beneficiary of Stefanski's um, scheme this year of his offense. And, and it's just been great to see Baker Mayfield have success this year. He's been great. And, and the Browns was, are having a lot of success, a lot of team success. They're four and one now. Um, they're I think they're tied. No, they're no, they are. They're tied for second in the division with the Ravens um, at four and one, which is surprising to me. Um, I didn't think the Ravens would be second in the division, but they are. The Steelers are undefeated. I don't know how long that's gonna last, but for now. They are, um, and I'm just really impressed. I was really impressed that the Browns were able to come in here and get a W, especially with the way the Colts have been playing defensively, um, and just a really good performance by the Browns. All right, let's talk about Chase Claypool because he went off on Sunday. Had four touchdowns, three receiving, one rushing. He was incredible, um, and he. I mean, what a beautiful di- display of his route running. That's one thing I noticed. Um, he had two plays that I wanna I wanna focus on specifically. On, on the first play, he was lined up outside um, on uh, along the boundary, and I, I don't know who who he was being covered by, but he took a step outside. So he took a step outside, and then he cut inside. And so if you're the corner, you're kind of supposed to have, be on a swivel. Um, you're not supposed to turn around, like you're not supposed to do a 180 when you're in coverage, because when you do that, you're, you're, like, there's a chance that you're gonna put yourself out of position. And that's what, um, the defensive back who was covering Chase Claypool did. He kinda did a 180 when he turned. You're really supposed to just be on a swivel on your hips. He made that mistake. And so Claypool was wide open. Claypool was wide open. Um, and he was in position to catch the ball, and he got an easy touchdown. And then on play two, uh, on the second play I want to talk about, he was the third receiver on the left side of a trip setup. So there was one receiver along the boundary on the outside, then there was a second receiver on the inside of him, then there was a third receiver. Chase Claypool was that receiver. And on this play, he ran straight up at the line, or at the, it was either a safety or a linebacker, Gentry. Um, and he stutter stepped, like he was going to run an in route or an out route. But what he did is he just exploded up the field. Gentry was not prepared whatsoever for Claypool to do that. So he stumbled and he got out of position and Claypool was wide open for a touchdown. Uh, Big Ben got him the ball um, and, and he scored easily. And I was really impressed by the way that that Claypool not only used his incredible technique, but also used his incredible athleticism and his physical tools to get open. He's a big guy. He's 6'4", um, just a, a huge guy. And there's a reason why people were talking about him being converted into a tight end before the draft. It's because he's a huge receiver. He's 6'4", 240, I believe. The guy's just a massive massive receiver um and he's able and he's got a lot of length he's got great length 
and he uses it to his advantage on routes. He's able to push defensive backs out of the way. Um, he's really smart. He, he's an intelligent receiver, and he combines his IQ with his physical tools uh, to get open, and, and that's a huge reason why he was able to have a four-touchdown game. Those two plays were huge, um, and they were really impressive. Claypool, Claypool's a stud. He's a stud. Um, so I'm not really surprised that he's been so successful so far. Um, he's a really, really talented player, and he's got the IQ and the physical tools um, to be really successful, and he's been successful so far. Um, what a game for him. Uh, four touchdowns. I think he had he had over 40 fantasy points. So if you had him in fantasy, you were in a really good position today. Hopefully you started him. Alright, let's talk about Darren Morey stepping down as the Rockets GM. This is a huge move, and, a, and this is huge news in the NBA. Now, if you don't know who Darren Morey is, for the last couple of seasons, um, actually not just the last couple, I don't know when he officially became the Rockets GM, um, but he's been their GM for a while. And new, if you don't know, in the early two... Excuse me. In the early 2000s, the Oakland A's, um, they used a, a pursuit or a, what, what's the word I'm trying to say? Uh, they, they approached the game based on analytics. So they used like, uh, on base percentage, whip. Statistics like that, which were not very common at the time, and they used that to kind of gain an advantage over the other teams in the league that were bigger markets and had a bigger payroll. Um, And so they used what they could, an advantage in statistics. Um, to gain wins and to gain an advantage. Well, Daryl Morey did the same thing, but in basketball. So he had a, he, the teams that he um, led, they shot a lot of three-pointers. Um, and, and when I say a lot, I mean a heck of a lot. I mean, they were shooting a crap ton of threes. And he did that with the Rockets. And he allowed James Harden to, you know, take a huge load of the offensive load on himself, um, and his usage rate for the past couple of years was sky high, they would go five wide, they would shoot a ton of threes, James Harden would run a lot of isolation, and and, and the Rockets had a lot of success, they had a lot of deep playoff runs, they weren't able to win a championship, uh, but their offense, which was really weird and unusual, had a lot of success, and, and a huge reason why is because they were taking more threes than anyone else anyone else in the entire NBA and now he's stepping down and I don't know what the Rockets are going to look like next I don't know if they're going to continue using this approach um, this statistic or this analytical or analytically based approach or not Uh, that's going to be interesting to see but what I'm most interested in seeing is where's Maury going to go because he, there's a lot of teams looking for GMs, um, and one team I'd like to see him go to is the Philadelphia 76ers. 
Now, I know they have Elton Brand as their GM, but Elton Brand is not very good at his job. He's made a lot of terrible decisions as the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, so I think they should move on from him. One reason why I would be really interested in seeing Daryl Morey go to the uh, to the 76ers is because I think he can get a get the most out of Ben Simmons. And I've been waiting for this to happen. I'm a big Ben Simmons believer. I believe that if you put Ben Simmons in the right system where kind of like Kind of like the, the the system that Giannis is in, and in Milwaukee, because uh, Milwaukee has surrounded Giannis with a lot of shooters. They've allowed him to um, to just be who he is, and and they've created a, a whole entire scheme around Giannis's strengths. And I and I just I I wish someone would do that with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is such a good defender, such a good passer, and he's so big and athletic. And, and I think if you do that with him, he can become one of the better players in the entire league. I honestly believe that. And I know he can't shoot, and that's a huge issue. Um, but I think if you just buy into him, if you buy into him as a player and buy into his strengths, that he can blossom into a, into a star in the NBA. Um, and, and I think that Daryl Morey could could design or just structure a team that just magnifies Ben Simmons' strengths. And I think a huge part of that would be to trade Joel Embiid, and I think he would be willing to do that. Um, and, and not a lot of GMs would, but I think Daryl Morey would, would have the guts to do that. And, and, and I love Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is a stud. He's one of the best players in the league. But I... I think Ben, if you just buy into Ben Simmons, you're gonna you're gonna win more than if you buy into Joel Embiid. That's just my opinion. I think what Ben Simmons does and with his position, I think it's gonna correlate to wins more than if you just go ahead and buy into Joel Embiid. Um, that's just my opinion, and I think Daryl Morey can have a lot of success um, if he's running the team with Ben Simmons as just the franchise guy. Um, so I hope, I hope he goes to Philly, uh, but they would have to fire Elton Brand, which they should. He's a terrible GM, probably the worst GM in the league. Um, but it's going to be a gutsy call. It's going to take, it's going to, it's going to require uh, Philly taking a risk. Uh, but it's a move they should make. So this is an interesting move, one that I didn't really see coming, honestly. Um, but I'm excited to see what what the next step is for Daryl Morey. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up next. All right, moving on, Georgia Alabama. Uh, it's the best the best matchup in college football this weekend. And I can't wait to see what happens. I, I mean, it's going to be an exciting matchup. Um, and, and the matchup is made even more, what, what's the word? Even more exciting um, or, or just interesting with the news that Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID. Um, you know, I'm, I'm prayers for, for Nick Saban and his family. I know that he's asymptomatic, um, but, you know, this is a weird time in America, and I, I hope that Nick Saban is able to get through this uh, with flying colors and that he has a smooth recovery. I expect him to have a, a, a speedy recovery, uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll be praying for him. 
But yeah, this is an interesting matchup. You know, Alabama is in a weird spot this year. It's a, they got a weird makeup because usually Nick Saban teams are built on their defense. They get, they usually have a dominant defense, and then their offense is their the the success of their offense is built upon the success of their defense. That's not the case this year. Alabama's defense is actually not great. Um, and, and that was ob- that was made obvious in the Ole Miss game when they gave up 49 points to the Rebels. Um, but the strength of their team is their offense this year, which is really weird. It's usually not like that, but this year that's the case. They got a great offense. It's explosive. Um, they got a, a really good quarterback in Mac Jones. Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith have been incredible and one of the in two of the best receivers in the entire country for years now. Um, and then they got this freshman receiver, number eight, uh, Metchief. He's been great as the number three receiver. They got Najee Harris, who's one of the better running backs in the entire country. They got a lot of explosiveness on offense. Um, and so they're going up against a Georgia team, which has one of, if not the best defense in the country. And their offense is interesting. They run the ball a lot. Stetson Bennett is their quarterback, and he's played well. But their offense isn't an offense that's going to put up a lot of points. Um, they're really conservative. They run the ball a ton, and, and they allow, st- and which and, and they run the ball a ton, and they run the ball successfully, which allows Stetson Bennett to have a lot of success in the play action game. And, and Stetson Bennett is good. He makes a lot of good decisions, but the ceiling is not as high as you'd like it to be. And so you got a really great defense going up, a really explosive offense, and then you got an offense that runs the ball. They, they, you know, they run the ball a lot, and they try to break you down. And you got an offense like that going up against an, an Alabama defense that just isn't very good. It's an interesting dynamic here in this matchup. I'm picking Alabama to win, um, and I actually I created a model this week in Excel which uses player statistics to predict games. It has Alabama winning by 11, winning 28-17. Uh, to 17. Um, I, I kind of feel like it's going to be closer. I could see uh, the Crimson Tide winning by double digits. I could see it happening. I just think Georgia's defense is, is just really, really good. And Alabama's defense is just so bad at this point. It's, I just really don't know what to expect. I'm picking Alabama to win. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be double digits. I'm going to go 20. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll go with my model. I'll go 28 to 17. Um, that model, you know, I think it's pretty good. And, um, you know, that's my prediction. 28 and 17, Alabama. Uh, this is going to be a good matchup. I don't know how much Nick Saban's absence is going to affect the game. Um, this is going to be a, a really, really, really good matchup. And, and it's at home for Alabama. So that's a huge advantage for them. Alright, to finish off the podcast, I'm going to give y'all my picks of the week for the for week 5 of the NFL season. Um, this is not a great week for betting against the spread in the NFL. There's just not a lot of great matchups, or not, not a lot of great value. There's not a lot of great um, against the spread values this week. Um, so I got 4 picks, and then I got my 5th pick is a 6 point teaser. Um, my first pick, I got the Baltimore Ravens 
versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Ravens are minus eight. Um, they're a great team. I know they had that that bad loss to the Chiefs, but they're still a really good team. They have one of the best defenses in the entire league. Their offense is great. Um, they got a great run offense. Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, and the Eagles have struggled mightily this season. Carson Wentz has not been very good. And their offensive line has struggled a ton. To, to protect Carson Wentz. Um, in the last, I don't know, was it against? There was one game where Carson Wentz got hit 20 times, which is unheard of. I don't know if that was against the 49ers or or what. Um, but that was, that was, that's just a crazy stat. I don't know if that was last week against the Steelers or if it was against the 49ers. Um, but that stat, it, it worries me a lot, especially when they're going up against a Ravens, a Ravens defense, which is one of the best in the league. Um, so I'm, I would bet on the Ravens to cover in this game. Um, they have one of the higher scoring margins in the league. One of the, one of the better defenses. I would feel comfortable betting on the Ravens. Uh, next up, I got the Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the home game for the Steelers. They got a great defense and a very good offense. Um, I think they're going to be able to score a lot of points against a Browns defense, which is just isn't very good. Um, and, and the Steelers have one of the best defenses in the entire league. Um, they got a great secondary. TJ Watt is a stud. I think they're going to be able to put a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield. And I think they're going to for- be able to force him to make some bad decisions in this game. Three and a half seems like pretty good value. I'd go with the Steelers here. Next up, we have the Los Angeles Rams on the road against the 49ers. The 49ers are coming off a, a terrible loss to the Miami Dolphins. They got destroyed by Miami. Um, and the Rams have had a really good year. Their offense has been great. Uh, Jerry Goff has been amazing this year. He's been really, really good. Um, I'm taking the Rams here three and a half. The minus three and a half feels like this just feels like a really good value. Um, I know they're on the road, but the, but Jimmy Garoppolo really struggled last week. He had to get benched for CJ Bathard. Um, and, and I just don't have a lot of CJ Bathard. Or, sorry, I don't have a lot of faith in CJ Bathard, um, in this matchup. So I would go with the Rams. I, I got a lot of faith in their offense. I got a lot of faith in their defense as well going up against whoever, whoever starts for. Um, the 49ers and with the lack of clarity about who's going to be the, the 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 49ers quarterback I'd roll with the Rams in this matchup and then finally the Cardinals versus the Cowboys the Cardinals are minus two and a half um, favorites I go with the Cardinals here the Cowboys have a terrible defense one of the worst in the league um, and Dak Prescott is out he's out for the year and so Andy Dalton's going to be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he did play well at the end of the game, uh, especially on that final drive against the Giants. I just don't know if I have the faith, if I have fa- enough faith in him uh, to bet on the Cowboys in this matchup. Uh, I'm gonna, I-, I would go with the Cardinals minus two and a half. Kyler Murray has struggled this year, uh, but their offense is really good, and they're in their facing just a a terrible defense. Um, 
with the Cowboys. I would go Cardinals minus two and a half. All right, my final pick of the week. I got a six-point teaser um, with the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins in a six-point teaser would be down, would be favored by two and a half. And in the second game of this teaser, it's the Chicago Bears plus eight and a half versus versus the Carolina Panthers. I actually think the Bears might win outright against Carolina. And so they're they're uh, plus two and a half in this matchup. They're two and a half point underdogs. So if you put them in a six point teaser, they're eight and a half point underdogs. I think that's a good teaser to play. Uh, the Dolphins are a good team. The Jets are not. They're terrible. They're one of the worst in the league. Um, and they just cut Le'Veon Bell. Um, and they've just been terrible on both sides of the ball. Uh, I like what the Dolphins have. When Ryan Fitzpatrick is on, he's really, really good. And they got a solid defense. I would go with the Dolphins there. Um, and then the Bears. The Bears have one of the best defenses in the entire league. Um, and I think they're going to give the Panthers some trouble. Um, this is an interesting matchup. I just think at plus 8.5, this is a good value with the Bears. You could also put the Ravens in a teaser. Uh, but with this teaser, I just wanted to choose a team uh, or that I didn't put in my other picks. So that's why I went with the Bears. But if you wanted to put the Ravens in this teaser as well to get them down to a, a two-point favorite, you can do that as well. And I, I'd actually be more confident with them than the Bears. But like I said, I just didn't want to put a team in my teaser that I'd already talked about or I'd already put in my other picks of the week. All right, that's, good. that's all I got for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will see y'all next time.